You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras, the number one podcast for bow hunting product information and hunting stories from across the nation. And now, here's your nine-fingered host, Dan Johnson. Happy Friday, everybody. And to kick off this podcast, I'm going to do my best Ric Flair. And uh, that's how we're kicking off this podcast today. Hopefully everybody has big, exciting plans for the weekend, and we are going to wind down this week worth of podcasts with another exciting podcast. Um, And today we're going to be talking with Matt Smith, and Matt is from Tennessee, and uh, we're going to do a little BS slash Hunter Profile podcast and uh, we're going to talk all about deer hunting like we always do. And uh, that's what this podcast is about. So pretty cut and dry. Um, just, you know, like all these all these podcasts, man, just average Joes like the rest of us being able to enjoy what they love with family. And uh, that's kind of the... Um, podcast that on today's podcast we're going to talk a little bit about how Matt is actually new to hunting and his daughter kind of got him back into hunt or got him into hunting um off of a promise and I'll let Matt tell the uh Matt Smith here tell the story about that but man I tell you what um I am pretty excited for turkey season. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I think I've mentioned this on some other podcasts, but it's it's actually a time I get to spend with my wife. My my mom takes care of the kids, and uh, this is the this will be the third turkey season that she's been pregnant during uh, turkey season. One, she was you know just just pregnant with our daughter, then. For our son, she was like 38 weeks pregnant, and I, I, I got her out into uh, the timber to do some, uh, some hunting for turkey. And then this year, she's just barely pregnant again. She's only in her second trimester. She'll be in her second trimester, but um, she's going to go out. She's a trooper, and she is a dead-eyed dick when it comes to uh, – she. whenever she's pulled the trigger, she hasn't missed yet. So she's a killer, and uh, – it's fun to take her because I know if I can get the turkey the turkey in close, she'll be able to do her job. I don't really need to worry about it anymore. 
she's uh, kind of automatic when it comes to that. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to doing some mushroom hunting. I'm looking forward to doing some fishing this spring. Um, you know, there is life out outside of whitetails. I hate to admit it, but there's so many cool things to do if you're an outdoor enthusiast. Um, I'm excited to take my daughter camping this summer um, and do some swimming and go to some beaches and just live outside, uh, plant my garden. Uh, that's going to be a whole family uh, event as well. Looking forward to all those things. Um, so there's that. But this is kind of a bonus podcast on the week. So I want to take time again to thank our title partner, Exodus Trail Cameras. Um, it's a badass trail camera, guys. And the only way that you'll be able to find out, it, it, well, first off, you need to go to their website, exodusoutdoorgear.com. Read up on all of their benefits. If this is the very first time you've ever heard about Exodus, go to their website, exodusoutdoorgear.com. Read up on all the benefits um, you know that they offer, their theft policy, their uh, warranty, five-year warranty, believe it or not, um, their uh, you know, all the benefits and the functionality of their cameras. And then when you do decide to purchase, enter the code nine fingers. That's the number nine followed by the word fingers and you'll receive $20 off of your purchase. So there's that. Um, I think I mentioned already in a previous podcast that, you know, we're going to continue this partnership for 2017 and I'm excited you guys should be excited. And um, next week on Monday, we are going to be announcing uh, the winner of the Exodus Trail Camera giveaway from um, this past Monday's podcast. So uh, make sure you're in on that. There's still time to sign up, share, and uh, comment to win. Other than that, guys, enough of me talking. Let's get into today's podcast with Matt Smith from Tennessee. Mr. Matt Smith, how are we doing today? Doing great, Dan. How are you? I'm um, having a pretty good day for a Monday. I can't complain uh, too bad. Uh, how about yourself? Yeah, about the same, man. Uh, started a new job today, so. Uh, oh, really? I guess as far yeah. So, so, so what do you do for Monday's a living now? It's a pretty good one. Uh, I'm still an accountant. I'm just an accountant for a different company now. Okay. I uh, got got a few days off last week to kind of transition jobs, so. It's uh, it's been all right. Nice, nice. So, you've you were on the show how many months ago? A couple months ago? Two months ago? Yes, yeah, yeah a couple months ago. Okay, and you did uh, we did a product review podcast. But you know, just a quick reminder: let everybody know where you're from. I'm from Knoxville, Tennessee. All right, Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, are you a uh, Volunteers fan? Absolutely. That school got plenty of my student loan money and uh, support them even further by spending money on football tickets and beer once uh, that time of year rolls around. Nice, nice. Do they serve beer in the stadium there? Not in, no, they don't serve it in the stadium, no. Okay. No, but they'll, you know, you can, you'll bring it to tailgates and stuff like that um, all around campus, so. What's the, what's the tailgate scene like uh, for the SEC? That's pretty crazy, man. Um, a lot of fun, you know, um, the scenery is, is really nice. Um, you know, people will go down, you know, if it's a three thirty kick on a Saturday, 
people typically get set up eight nine o'clock in the morning at the latest you know yeah. for some of the people um they just hang out all day man it's it's a big social event um and there's a a guy uh, that actually wrote a book on it uh, his name is clay travis uh it's a pretty cool book you know if you just do a google search on him uh, his, his book's pretty cool it's, it's very very uh uh, very accurate on the tailgate scene in, in the gotcha. Southeastern Conference. Gotcha. Yeah, it, it, it was kind of funny. I went to um, an SEC game. It was Arkansas versus Vanderbilt when I was down mm-hmm. in um, when I was in uh, Fayetteville, Arkansas, for just a regular game. And in the South, they do things a little bit different. Man, when I went to the game, everybody was wearing. Like they they were wearing polos, they had their pants tucked in or their shirts tucked in, real nice. At Iowa, man, we're just like hooded sweatshirts and uh, slamming bush lights in the parking lot, and, and it just like wearing sweatpants and nothing nothing too fancy, right? Um, and when I went down to, uh, and then I went to, uh, uh, man, there, it was, I guess this was an ACC game when it was. Uh, Georgia Tech versus, I want to say Georgia Tech versus Georgia. I went to that game in Atlanta, and everybody was dressed up there too. So that was kind of uh, that was kind of a change for me. Yeah, there's some schools that do that. Um, Tennessee's not so much. You know, you've got some guys that'll dress up and stuff, and you know, it's it's really hot down here, right. uh, especially at the beginning of the football season. So you know, most of the women will wear you know sundresses or. Uh, shorts, you know, and yeah. you know, I mean, God, my my fat ass, I just wear <laughs> shorts and a shirt that's not going to show sweat as much. You know what I mean? <laughs> hey, I feel you there, brother. Uh, <laughs> that's funny. Um, but at, I don't know if it still is, but at one time, volu- was it, is it called Volunteer Stadium? Uh, it's a Neyland Stadium. Okay, Neyland State Stadium was one of the biggest. Was the biggest stadium in the united states is that still the case hundred thousand people it's not uh it's not the case um it was the big it was the largest on-campus stadium in the country yeah. i think that you know some of the off-campus stadiums um like the one uh god is it the rose bowl that's out in california i think it was mm-hmm. bigger um yeah they actually remodeled it and decreased the number of seats yeah you know other schools have um have gone up so i think that michigan is bigger than than tennessee now and there's a couple of other schools Gotcha. Um, still probably, you know, according to a lot of people, uh, particularly when the football team's good and the sell the stadium out, still probably the best, uh, best atmosphere in, right. in the Southeastern conference for football, Right. but uh, definitely not the largest on campus stadium anymore. Okay, cool, man. Yeah. I love, uh, I love the fall for several reasons, but I'm, I'm a huge college football fan. I love watching yeah. any and all college football, um, but as I have one last question about football for you, and then we're going to, we're going to talk mm-hmm. hunting, but yep. does everybody in the SEC hate Alabama? Yeah, basically everyone that's not an Alabama fan hates Alabama. You know, right. that's just kind of the price you pay for, for, <laughs> for winning. Yeah. Um, I think Alabama fans smell bad and they got more, um, got more toothbrushes than they do teeth in the whole state of Alabama. So, you know, that. That, that whole fan base kind of pulls in like a unique individual. Um, it's you definitely, yes, the entire Southeastern Conference hates Alabama. 
I hope uh, I hope I don't lose uh, viewers or listeners for that comment. It's not, hey, you might that, get an email or two, but that's okay. So feel free to forward it to me. I'll I'll talk back. <laughs> that comment. Uh, how do how do they say that uh, was not the opinions expressed by the Nine Finger Chronicles? <laughs> right. I feel like you baited me into it. <laughs> I think right. you knew it was coming. <laughs> All right, let's talk. Let's talk hunting, right? And let's do it. Uh, let's you, do it. you talked. You uh, sent me a couple emails and I uh, wanted to come back on the podcast and kind of talk about your experience um, as a hunter and how, you know, how your your kids or your daughter specifically kind of um, roped you back into hunting again. So what I want to, I want to go all the way back and talk about when you started hunting initially, like I don't know, were you were you a kid when you started hunting initially? How old were you? No, uh, no, I was no, I was uh, thirty years old. Okay, how old? Thirty three now. now. This, okay, thirty three. So you you didn't so, start hunting at all until you were thirty years old. That's correct. Okay, so let's start at that specific point. Um, what was the trigger that? got you interested in hunting okay well the and i guess it's kind of funny you phrase it like that because as a kid i was always interested in hunting um but no one you know my, my dad did not hunt uh, neither of my grandfathers hunted but um one of my grandfathers did fish i particularly uh, enjoyed trout fishing and he used to take me fishing with him Loved fishing, loved the outdoors, always wanted to hunt, but never had the guts to ask anyone that I knew that hunted uh, to take me with them or show me how to do it. Right. And why, um, what was that? Yeah. Why was that? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm honestly a shy person. Um, you know, it's kind of weird for me to be on a podcast. It's probably easier for me to do because we're not sitting face to face, but I'm, I'm, I'm a shy person. You know, like I said, I'm an accountant and I come to that pretty honestly. You know, I sit in yeah. my office all day, I do my work and I don't have to. Uh, interact with a with a whole slew of people if I don't necessarily choose to do so for work, you know. Gotcha. Okay. So, um, you know, fast forward to you know, um, thirty years old. I have a daughter. Um, you know, well, I guess a few years before that, you know, my daughter started asking me if, if we could go. She called it at the time deer's hunting. Yeah. Um, it was pretty random. Her, her grandfather uh, hunted, um, but he'd never taken her. And as far as I know, it never even really approached her about it. But she started asking me if, if she could deer hunt. And I told her that uh, she was too young because she couldn't sit still and be quiet long enough uh, to do it. And But um, if she still wanted to when she was a couple of years older, then then we would do it. Right. And I, I kind of thought she would forget about it. But uh, sure enough, two birthdays later, I was putting her to bed at, that night after a birthday party. And she asked me if we could go deer hunting yet. So... And it was, you know, I told her wait two birthdays, uh, second birthday, she asked me. So that's kind of what um, motivated me to go ahead and get it done. Gotcha. So when that, when she, she was laying in bed and she said, hey, daddy, I want to, you know, I won't, can we go hunting? Had you already taken the necessary steps like uh, getting a hunter safety course? Or um, did you know if you were going to be a bow hunter or if you were going to be a gun hunter at that point? Or is that moment right there when the like the thought process started like, Hey, I, I got to do all these things. I got to look at rules and regulations. I got to, am I going to be a bow hunter or a gun hunter? Um, you know, do I have to take a training class for anything? Did, did those, did that thought process go through your mind at all? 
not before then, but as soon as, you know, she said that and I, you know, you know, I promised my kid that we could do something. That's that is when I started to do the research on, um, what it took to get the hunter safety course done, you know, um, I honestly Googled how to hunt deer, you know, so I've never <laughs> done any research. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, like, it's, it's pretty sad. I mean, you know, growing up fishing, I fish bass tournaments and stuff around here, um, locally. And, uh, you know, I enjoyed that too. But I mean, you cannot ask a person in the South how to hunt deer because nine and a half times out of 10, you will get laughed, uh, laughed at and told to figure it out on your own. Yeah. Right. Right. They'll, they'll point to a, they'll point you in the direction of a mountain that's some public land until you go out there and, uh, figure it out. So <laughs> I Googled how to hunt deer and that's actually, um, how I came across you and, uh, Mark Kenyon. Uh, there were a couple of videos on YouTube and I saw the username was wired to hunt. So I listened to that podcast and, you know, via that, so I listened to your podcast as well. So, so all right. So, now you got to start doing some work, right? Because you can't let your daughter down. Yeah, um, that's exactly right. <laughs> so what was the, you know, after you Googled how to hunt deer, what were some of those specific first steps that you took, you know, so that the next possible hunting season you were out in the woods? So, you know, obviously the first thing I did was uh, take the hunter safety course and, um, and get my hunting license. You know, in Tennessee, you can do the um, – you know, I guess like the book portion of it right. uh, through a CD-ROM. Um, you take that, you go through the CD-ROM and uh, kind of has all the, talks about the rules, regulations, and different situations. You take a test at the end of that and you print off your results and you take it for your field day where you have to actually exhibit that you can safely handle a firearm. Yeah. Um, you take another written test as well uh, to make sure you didn't cheat on the, uh, on the first test. Yep. And then, uh, you know, you shoot a few, uh, shoot a few plays, you know, exhibit, you know, uh, safe handling of a firearm and all that good stuff. And, you know, then you're able to get your hunting license. So that was my first step. My next step was I asked a good friend of mine, um, that I fished with, uh, if he knew anyone that, you know, had any property that, that they might allow us to deer hunt on. And very fortunately for me, his uncle has 50 acres, um, you know, probably 35 minute drive from my house, talk to him. And, um, uh, you know, he let me and my daughter start going up there to hunt. And, um, you know, again, very fortunately for me, he doesn't charge me any money. Uh, if, if we're fortunate enough to harvest anything off of his land, um, I give him a little bit of the meat Nice. and, uh, you know, kind of help him around the house. If he has a tree fall down and needs cut up or, you know, needs anything hauled off or anything heavy picked up, moved around the house. Like I help him with that, you know? Yep. But, outside of that man he's just a really really nice guy i was very fortunate to meet him and uh he's never asked for anything else really so awesome that and i I bought a boat so nice all right so you you bought a bow right Mm -hmm. you said okay so you decided i'm going to be a bow hunter um now after you took the hunter safety course and after you got you know you found some property to hunt what were your steps about, you know, what was the steps that you took to prepare for the season? I mean, did you go out and, I mean, were you in depth to the point where you started uh, trimming shooting lanes or finding uh, tree stand locations? Um, how did you, how did you go about learning? Like once you got out of your truck, 
Well, I want to back up a second because before you can even go out and hunt, you're a bow hunter. You have to you have to find a bow that fits you. You have to buy arrows and broadheads and you know the gear that goes along with it. What did, how how did that go for you? Um, you know, th- you know the the bow hunting gear portion of it. Uh, it's pretty rough at first, man. To be honest with you, just because yeah, I, I didn't I didn't know anything. Um, I bought a bow for myself and bought a crossbow for my daughter to use. Uh, you know, the crossbow is self-explanatory. Um, she was young enough that she didn't she wasn't required to have a hunting license at the time as long as I was with her. Right. Um, you know, the crossbow is extremely self-explanatory. And in Tennessee, the reason I got the bow is, you know, your your deer seasons are broken up. You know, the first part of the season is bow. Uh, then you have, like, you know, essentially two weeks of muzzleloader. Yep. And then it's all gone from then on out. So high-powered rifle. What, what so are the my plan there? was All right, so for the 16, 17 season, it's always the, uh, the way I remember it. It's the Saturday of the Tennessee-Florida game honest with you every year but for the 2016-2017 season uh bow season started uh, september 24th and went through october 28th uh then you have that weekend after that is young sportsman so you can take a child out under the age of 16 they can use a rifle but they are the only one allowed to hunt gotcha you you have to be with them you have to be in a position to take control of the firearm um but you you cannot hunt after that, it goes back into archery until uh, that first Saturday in November. Okay. And then you've got, um, you know, in the 2016-2017, it was uh, November 5th through November 18th was muzzleloader season. Okay. And that's essentially, down here, that's essentially the rut. Gotcha. Um, and then from November 19th through uh, January 8th, that's all uh, gun season. Now, and the other thing in Tennessee, you can use archery during muzzleloader so you can do okay. muzzleloader and archery and during gun season you can use all three okay but you just have to recognize the uh, blaze orange requirements once uh once muzzleloader season hits you gotta wear orange gotcha all right so were you sharing that property with anybody else uh no i think uh the guy that owns it had a buddy that went up there and hunted a couple of times um also the guy that owns it that's it's kind of weird like we have elk in tennessee yep um, there are very few of them and they issue an extremely limited number of licenses. Um, I've never even applied for an elk license here. There are so few of them. It kind of just doesn't even feel right to hunt them, you know? Right. Yeah. But, but that guy has an elk that comes on his property. Oh, wow. Uh, and he, he almost thinks of the elk as, as a pet, you know what I mean? Like he, right. he would plant, and I had no idea about this, like heading into it, but he'll, he'll plant food plots for the elk and he actually had trees set up on his property that he would get up really early in the morning and go sit in so he could just watch the elk come down and feed man that's crazy um yeah it's pretty crazy and it's crazy to see an animal that large um in person to be honest with you did did you have any encounters uh while you and your daughter were, were in a tree stand with any elk no, no, not with the elk. Uh, had had an encounter with some deer uh, that just about freaked her out. Yeah, and uh, then we heard a, a bobcat just absolutely lose its shit one morning that uh, <laughs> scared her bad enough that we went home. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know if you've ever heard a bobcat, but there's times where it sounds like a crying baby, 
And for some reason, one morning I was walking to a tree stand down in some really thick and nasty um, uh, part of my farm that I hunt. And it sounded like a crying baby in the woods. And instantly I thought of like the Blair Witch Project. And I was a grown man getting scared walking to my tree stand. I'm like, is this a witch that's going to come out and like kidnap me and burn me at a stake? But I had to keep telling myself, it's just a bobcat, it's just a bobcat, it's just a bobcat. But uh, <laughs> tell your tell your daughter it's okay to be scared of things that are scary. <laughs> I will, especially for a uh, – uh, I guess she was eight at the time, right? So an eight-year-old girl right. hearing that or, you know, when it's still dark outside, <laughs> I guess that's all right. So, so elk, there's elk on this farm, but yep. kind of backing up a bit, I want to, you know – when you bought a bow, I mean, what did, what was, because you're a brand new to hunting, this is the first time you've ever bought a bow. How did you decide on what purchases to make, you know, from your camo, from your bow, from your arrows, uh, from your broadheads? How did you decide on all that equipment? Man, uh, so the camo, I, I honestly um, knew that some of it was really expensive. And I didn't, I didn't really see the need in spending a lot of money up. Like, you know, right. By God, I'm tough. I'll just layer up and, and I'll be all right. Um, <laughs> and that's kind of something we talked about in the pod on the uh, product review podcast. I was wrong yeah. and I could not have been more wrong. <laughs> Man, like as cold as it gets, you know, it's not as cold here as it is where you're from, but as cold as it is, like at my house, you know, everywhere I hunt around here is up in the mountains. You know, this guy's got 50 acres and it's, you know, I mean, shit, it probably takes me 20 minutes to get to my tree stand. I'm walking uphill almost the entire way. Right. You know what I mean? And it's not like, like, I have to stop and catch my breath. And I'm competing a half Ironman triathlons, man. Like, I'm in pretty decent shape. So my point is, it's cold and yeah. windy, like, all the time. So uh, I tried to go the cheap route on camo. I regretted that, you know, very, very quickly. Um, as far as the bow is concerned, I honestly asked around to some guys, and there was this this gentleman that worked at um, Academy Sports and Outdoors. It's a big box store here in Knoxville. Yep. And um, he was, um, he's a, for PSE, the company that makes the bows, he was one of their pros, you know. Okay. Um, and I went there, I was talking to him, and he sold me a PSE Surge. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and I mean, he told me, he's like, you know, go look around. I looked around at, you know, a few of the other big box stores around town. I honestly didn't go to any pro shops. Um, because I didn't know where any of them were locally. You know, again, like I'm kind of flying blind. I don't know any other bow hunters or anything like that. So, right. um, you know, bought the bow. You know, he outfitted me with it as best he could. Given what they had, um, I bought some of their aluminum arrows that they had there. Um, bought a target and went home and started shooting and bent every arrow that I bought. Like, Jesus. Pretty, pretty damn quickly. Um <laughs> So at this point, like I'm getting frustrated, you know, uh, long story short, I ran to a guy that's a pretty good friend of mine now. Um, and he, he kind of gave me some advice on arrows and where to go get them. I got some carbon arrows. Um, and I use rage broadheads. Yep. Um, and you know, he kind of turned me on to those. I've tried to fix blade broadheads. It's tough to get them tuned. And, you know, here you're allowed to use the mechanicals. Yep. Um, I like them because they, they shoot as straight as my field point does. 
Um, you know, here I'm not hunting in an area where I'm going to get anything longer than a 30 or 35 yard shot at a deer anyway. Right. So, you know, if I can, if I can get 30 yards on with my field point, then I know the rage is going to fly straight. And, and as long as I'm not freaking out too bad, um, going to hit the deer where I'm aiming. So right. that's what I went with. All right. So then, you know, you got a target, you got some aluminum arrows, which you, you know, you said you bent them all, but how did you learn to shoot? I mean, from the, it was it just trial and error? Well, I got a bow. I I, I know the the basics. You got to pull it back. You, you, you know, I take it you had a a trigger, a wrist release trigger. Mm-hmm. I do. Okay. Yep. So you know, I squeeze that, and there goes. I just you know, the basics. I take it are pretty. You know, the basics are easy to understand. And um, but when it came to adjusting your sight. And, you know, becoming a better archer, um, did you have any complications right up front or did, you know, you take to it like a duck in water? Nothing too bad. Um, you know, my grandfather taught me how to shoot uh, rifles when I was a kid. Yep. So, you know, kind of the, I, I guess, maybe ignorantly so on my part, but I look at the mechanics of shooting a bow is very similar to shooting a rifle with a wrist release, you know. I mean, slow, steady squeeze straight back, you know. Um, as far as, you know, how to grip the bow, how to pull it back, all that stuff, uh, that, that's just where my obsession with Google and YouTube and uh, you guys kind of came into play. So um, lost a few arrows, um, you know, sunk a few in the ground, but uh, really I just, I shot the fire out of my bow just all the time shooting in the backyard. Um, I've, I'm now on my third target. It's my third year. I'm on my third target. Um, like those, the block layered targets, not the hard foam ones, but the layered ones. Yep. I've shot all five dots out of this is my third one. I'm gonna have to buy a new one this year. Nice. Um, I just, I just, I shoot it a lot, you know? So I guess you could say a lot of trial and error and, uh, you know, a lot of keyboard time on Google and listen to your own podcast. So So a lot of, uh, well that on top of time actually shooting, right? Yeah. Yeah. So as, I mean, there's, there's a time and I knew that when I got serious back into hunt, you know, into hunting, cause I took, you know, basically my entire college year, I may have hunted or four years, four and a half years at college. I, I maybe hunted maybe, I don't know, a handful, I'd say 10 days in four years of college, right? I, I didn't. I wasn't focused on hunting for, for those, those years until after I got out of college and there was a period of time where, okay, I got a bow, but now I have to feel comfortable shooting it. How long did it take you from the time you bought your bow till the time, um, you felt confident enough to say, okay, I feel confident enough to go into the woods and shoot a deer. Um, man, probably till last year, to be honest with you. Um, just because I thought of, of actually harvesting something with a bow, like, I don't know, I, I guess I respect the animal as much as I, um, as much as I want to harvest it, yeah. you know, if that makes any sense to you. So, you know, the first probably couple of years, I would probably would have been comfortable with 10, 15, maybe 20 yard shot. Okay. But anything, anything beyond that, I would have, would have absolutely let it walk, you know? So that first year I, I brought my bow in the woods. I, I passed on a doe that walked probably 15 yards from me. Cause honestly, wasn't sure that I, could have, you know, hit her in the right spot where she would have, uh, where she would have passed quickly, 
Um, okay. but, this, but this past year, I guess it's probably I've, absolutely a hundred percent. Like if, if an animal walked within my range, I was drawn back on it and I was going to let it fly. Okay. So after, you know, after you became comfortable, uh, shooting, you know, shooting your bow and, and now you're, you know, you're getting ready to go out into the woods to, uh, hunt deer. I mean, did you, you got in, you know, you got access to this property. Did you go out, you know, I don't know if whether you took your daughter or not, but did you go out and do any type of, um, uh, scouting? Did you hang any tree stands before the season started? Um, th- I mean, did you go look for sign or trails or anything like that? So I, I really didn't know what to look for. Um, the, the guy that owns the property had, uh, a two man stand actually hung over a field edge that he would go sit in to watch that elk that would come on his property. And, uh, the guy, his ashtray like was one of those magnetic, uh, uh, parts holders. Like you see, like you would use to work on your car, you know? So the guy would go sit in the tree stand and smoke and watch the elk. So that tree stand is, is the tree stand that I hunted out of, uh, for the most part that first year. I went out in the summer and put out some corn and uh, trail cameras. But uh, as far as, you know, looking for trails and bedding areas and stuff like that, I really didn't know what to look for. So I basically hunted out of that stand and um, one other stand that I'd hung up that I'd purchased at Gander Mountain uh, that was kind of along a uh, an old logging road that's up there. And that was really all I hunted that first year. Okay. So... So then you just kind of went in and it was just kind of, uh, well, I, I don't really know what I'm doing yet. I just feel that if I go into the timber, um, I'll learn something. Yep. That was pretty much it, man. I, you know, I figured if I was in the woods, I couldn't kill one if I wasn't in the woods. Right. Okay. So that's uh, and I knew there were acorns and stuff that dropped on the ground around where that stand was. And I did know that, you know, deer like to eat acorns. So I figured if I was there and waited there long enough, I'd eventually see something. You know, okay. that was, that was my thinking that first year. All right. So first year, what was, I mean, what did you learn? Did, I mean, what did you see your first year? Did I mean, did you have any close enough encounters to take a shot? I did. Uh, my first year I harvested a doe during gun season. Uh, my daughter and I, I hunted together probably five or six times uh, during bow season uh, until it got to be just too cold her to be out there um our very first day the opening day of bow season uh, there were two deer that uh, were coming right to us and um we had stupidly rode the four-wheeler up to the base of the tree where we were hunting and the deer saw the four-wheeler and turned and bolted so um i could have had the opportunity for my daughter to harvest a deer on her very first bow hunt uh had i not ridden the four-wheeler to the base of the tree so what I learned that first year was um, you probably won't see too many deer hunting the field edge, and uh, you can't ride your four wheeler to the base of the tree that you're going to hunt. <laughs> that's uh, that should be a book. They, those could be chapters in a book, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I think so. <laughs> I think you mentioned uh, you just mentioned a little bit ago. Is it legal to bait in Tennessee? It's uh, only outside of hunting season. Oh, so okay. when I put out gotcha. the corn and stuff, it was the summertime. Um, okay. it has to be gone. Uh, man, there's a prescribed time period. Honestly, hunt season opens in September. I'll make sure my bait's gone by June. 
Um, I really just use the corn and stuff to kind of get an inventory on what's around. Gotcha. But to me, if you know, I need to figure out now. I've, I've learned I need to figure out what the deer are doing without me trying to throw them on another pattern. You know, I need to figure out where they're eating and where they're walking to get to that food without without me interfering with that. Gotcha. Okay, so you took a doe your first year, right? I did during gun season. Yep. During gun season, but with a bow, mm-hmm. right? No, 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 it's with a gun. No. Okay, with a, with a gun. Okay, gotcha. Yep. Um, so you, th- that was your first deer you ever shot. I mean, what was your what was going through your mind when you ended up shooting that that deer, that doe? I was th- I was thinking, holy shit! That was literally like I shot the doe. Um, I saw her fall, um, and I was like, I I did it. <laughs> you know, I mean, it was yeah, it was pretty crazy. Uh, it was actually uh, just starting to rain. Okay, and. Um, I remember thinking, holy crap. Uh, I remember uh, being, you know, very thankful and, you know, almost sad. You know, like you watch some of the TV shows, these people jump around and hoot and holler and all that stuff. I, you know, I didn't do any of that, man. I just kind of, like I shot her and I watched her fall and I remember, you know, was happy that I'd done it. But I was like, you know, you know, holy crap, I just killed something, you know. Right. Yeah. I kind of went through all that and, um, you know, went up and, you know, I saw her fall. She fell, you know, I mean, within 15 yards of where I shot her. Um, but I kind of went through the whole, I wanted to see if I could, you know, follow the blood trail and, and all that stuff. But, um, you know, kind of texted my wife and told her, I told her I got one and texted my daughter and told her I got one too. And that's kind of, that's kind of my thought process. So what did your daughter say when she found out that daddy killed the first deer? She was excited. Um, you know, she, it's kind of those things. She'd been up there with me a bunch. Uh, she'd gone up there with me to help me put out corn and, you know, to ride the four wheeler around the property and, and all that stuff. So, uh, she was excited. Awesome. She was, yeah. Okay. So after, you know, you were not successful with a bow your first year, you already mentioned, um, some things that you were going to do better. You harvested something with a gun after that season was over. And before the next season started, um, did you have any goals? Did you know what you were going to do different, um, not only with gear or, you know, on the archery side of things, but from a strategy standpoint as well? Yeah, I knew I did not want to hunt a field edge um, nearly as much, if at all, during the second season. Um, And I also wanted to take the time to kind of really get to know the property that I was hunting. I hadn't really... I had much time to get to know the property before uh, the hunting season started, you know? Yeah. Um, and to be honest with you, I didn't really know the property owner that well by that point. So I wasn't really, because I wasn't leasing it from him, I wasn't really too comfortable just going like stomping around all over the place. You yeah. know what I mean? So right. I was trying to be respectful of him. He, I mean, he told me, he's like, you know, go wherever you want to go. I don't care. But it was, I was kind of trying to play that game of learning the property without, you know, bumping deer out every time I'm in there because like I'm, you know, walking all over their bedding area without realizing that's actually what I'm doing. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, So, you know, so how, how, I guess, how did you approach that, that next season? The next season, I hunted back in the woods more. Um, There's a a pond on the property. uh, That's a spring fed pond. Um, I hunted that pond quite a bit more. Um, Well, I, I hunted that pond period. I'd never hunted that pond the year before. Yeah. Um, and also, um, 
I try to be smarter, I guess, with, uh, with, you know, instead of hunting, you know, every Saturday and Sunday, uh, all day, both days, you know, I would try to be smarter with when I did it. Um, and to be honest with you, that year I saw even fewer deer than I had the year before. Right. Like that second year, and you know, in East Tennessee, you don't see a, a whole lot of deer anyway. Yeah. But I think that second year, I saw two deer the entire year, and I shot one of them. Okay. So that was I was getting pretty discouraged by the end of the season. So was it with a gun or a bow? That was with a gun. That was uh, a shot. Uh, the only buck I'd ever seen alive. Okay. Uh, that year was the first buck I killed. I shot him with a gun. So you only saw two deer the entire hunting season. How many days did you hunt? I hunted every weekend. Every weekend. So how many, yeah, like, and, r- roughly how many days is that? Uh, it's like 15, 20 days. Oh, a second. I'll count it up for you right now. Two, four, six, eight, ten. Four, four, six, eight, eight. Uh, t- there's, you know, 29, uh, no, I'm sorry, 30 weekend 30 days. days. 30 weekend days in the hunting season, and I took a week off to go hunt a wildlife management area with uh, my father-in-law. Okay. All right. So, 30 days in the stand, and you only saw two deer. That's correct. And you shot one of them. Wow. I shot one of them. Now, when this, when you're sitting in the tree stand, are you thinking, okay, are the numbers bad, or am I just that bad of a hunter? Um, yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking maybe this deer hunting thing's not for me. Right. You know, and I, I mean, I'm thinking like, what am I doing wrong? You know, there was a couple of times I walked in and, uh, in the morning yep. and I, I mean, I, I'm a, I just about tripped over a, a freaking deer. I mean, I, I go in when it's pitch black, you know, yeah. and I just about tripped over a freaking deer walking to my tree stand, you know, and she runs and starts blowing and it, you know, and that day I was pretty pissed off that happened a couple of times but i mean the whole time i'm sitting in the tree stand like you know what am i doing wrong yeah you know and honestly i couldn't figure it out that year i I had no idea what to do different okay so then when you okay so were you were you bumping deer i mean when it was pitch black you said did you hear stuff run out of there i mean were you paying attention to wind direction at all were you paying attention um to like your scent regimen like okay well i gotta wash my clothes i gotta use sprays or anything like that to to maybe help you out yeah that year was the first year i really did um i bumped deer twice walking to my walking to my stand um I think what I did wrong that year was, uh, there's two things. I don't know that the deer so much live on, on that property. There's, it's surrounded by a bunch of other property that's, you know, it's all just woods, you know? So I don't know that the deer so much live there as they just kind of travel through to eat. Yeah. And I wasn't, I wasn't really hunting the food sources the way I should have been that year. Okay. Um, I, I, I didn't realize it at the time, but I do think that's what I did wrong that year. Gotcha. So, could it also have been putting too much press pressure on that 50 acres? Um, oh yeah. Yeah. And, and, and not hunting in optimal conditions. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Um, you know, when I say I try to be smarter, I try to, I mean, that first year I would, I would get there in the morning and I wouldn't leave until it was dark, you know, every, uh, every weekend day. Okay. But, um, you know, that second, the second year I tried to, you know, be smarter about it. 
but I still think I put, you know, it's 50 acres and can't hold a whole lot of deer. I still think I was putting too much pressure on it. Gotcha. I didn't have another, I didn't have another place in mind to go hunt. So I just right. hunted the snot out of that place. And I think it, I think it kind of screwed it up. Gotcha. So now you're starting to realize some of these things, right? I, between, yeah. you know, obviously year one, there is year one is a reference point, right? So yeah. uh, it's, it's a starting point. You don't know what you're doing. You've, you may have read information, but you didn't get that. You, you haven't seen it firsthand. Now, first year, second year, um, you've started, you've started to see how Deary act. Um, well, kind of, I guess if you've only seen two deer the second year, but what, what do you think the biggest adjustment between year two and year three was? Because th- that was this season, right? It was. Yeah. Okay, so um, so you were I take it you were not happy, you were unsatisfied with how the the last two years went. I mean, you saw deer, you killed two deer, but you wanted I take it as a hunter, you wanted to see more and you wanted to use your bow, right? Yeah, correct. All right, so so what were your goals? And I guess your expectations and talk to us about what you, you had planned on changing for, you know, this past year between all that. All right. So goals for this past year, I wanted to harvest one deer with a bow. Right. I didn't, I didn't really care if it was a buck or a doe. I just want to be able to harvest one, one deer with a bow. Um, yeah. and I hunt for the meat, you know, so antler size doesn't really matter to me. And to be honest with you, I'm so new at hunting. Right. Um, I still, I still honestly get the shakes if I see a deer from the tree stand, you know? Right. Um, so that was my goal. Uh, my adjustments that I made were I, I hunted less as hard as it was for me to not be in the stand every weekend. Um, I tried to hunt smarter instead of harder. Okay. All right. And that, that made a big difference. So, you know, your, your daughter got you back in like, her saying, take me hunting, um, mm-hmm. you know, the, this year two and year three, did you involve her at all yes. in, in your hunting? Okay. Talk to yep. before we get into, you know, this past year, talk to us a little bit about, you know, keeping her involved and keeping her interested. Well, you know, honestly, I don't, I don't force her to do it. You know, I kind of offer like, Hey, I'm going to go hunt this weekend. Do you want to go, you know, um, for her, you know, she'll, she, the last two years she's going me twice each year, you know, um, the second year I bought a ground blind to set up for us. Yeah. Um, I had the deer, I felt like I had the deer nailed down really well going into the season. I had, you know, um, a couple of does on a really steady pattern. And for whatever reason we went, uh, the first weekend there in both season and, uh, it just, just didn't work out. Um, okay. the deer didn't, deer didn't cooperate, you know, they didn't read the same book that I read. So, right. um, and she, my daughter plays basketball as well. Okay. So shortly after bow season, she gets into basketball practice and uh, the weekends are kind of taken up with, with playing basketball. So the opportunity to hunt for her wasn't there as often. Yeah. Um, but I mean, she's still, you know, we'll text each other. I'd send her pictures, you know, on, um, when she's, because her mom and I are divorced. So when she's at her mom's house, you know, she'll text me and ask if I'm hunting and, you know, we'll kind of talk about her. I'll send her pictures and, you know, if I see, you know, like she loves to turkey hunt. So if I see turkey, you know, walking under my stand or something, I'll send her videos of it and all that stuff. So, 
Um, she still go out with me on the four wheeler. Uh, she'll still go like, you know, during the summertime, she'll go scout around, um, you know, you know, put out corn, put out minerals and stuff in the summer, all that good stuff. Um, but she'll, but you know, typically she'll hunt with me twice. And if we don't have much luck, um, she's pretty much, pretty much done with it, man. I mean, just like most kids, you know, they're not going to sit in a tree stand or even in a ground blind for six, eight hours and not see anything and think that's a great time, you know? So, you know, we'll just kind of hang out and, uh, we'll quietly whisper and, you know, she'll bring a snack, you know, I always bring honey buns to eat and stuff. Right. And, uh, you know, when she's ready to go, we'll, we'll hit. If she wants to stay till dark, we stay till dark. If she wants to go before then, then, then we go to the house and we grab a bite to eat or something on the way home, you know? Right. Okay. So is she, um, she's 11 now? She's 11 now. Yep. Okay. All right. You know, and, and that's the time for kids. I, and this is based off of a, how I think I was where, um, yeah, mommy and daddy are cool, but you know, now they're starting probably to get into a little bit more of a social scene at school. They want to yep. be with their friends almost more than they want to be with, you know, mom and dad and, you know, some of this stuff, although they may still enjoy it, takes a back seat because, you know, they want to hang with, hang with friends. Exactly right. I, I tell my buddies all the time, my daughter is uh, slowly outgrowing me. Mm. Yeah. So, uh, it's just natural progression of life, but you're right. You know, her being 11 years old, getting up at three forty-five in the, in the morning on Saturday is not necessarily uh-uh. <laughs> not top on her to-do list. You know? And you get up early because I don't even get up that early. Very yeah. rarely do I get up that early during hunting season. Yeah, if I go up in the mountain on the public land right here, you got to get up about three thirty, three forty-five to get there in time. So yeah, okay, all right. So we talked about uh, you know how how your daughter's taking it and how you're involving her now. From you know, again, you you keep mentioning hunting smarter on this fifty acres before the season started. Um, did you go out and try to find any additional property to hunt so you had more options? I did. Um, the, the guy that I told you is a good buddy of mine now that kind of gave me some advice on bow hunting. Yep. He, um, there's some public land in East Tennessee and, uh, he started kind of showing me around that. Um, it's the mountains around here. Okay. So I, it's a, it's a much further drive, but, uh, it's real pretty up there. And, uh, I mean, there's, there's game all over the place up there. There's just a lot of room for them to avoid you. Right. But, uh, you know, I kind of had a backup plan. Uh, so it, it allowed me to kind of scratch my hunting itch without putting as much pressure on this 50 acre piece of land that I've, that I've been hunting. Okay. So then this year, did you bounce back and forth between those pieces or I did. did you like equally, or did you favor one more? Um, you know, during both season, you know, I think I hunted the mountain three times, I think. Uh, and then hunted the 50 acres, you know, any other time I went hunting, I hunted that 50 acres. Um, but there, there were a couple of weekends that I just didn't hunt at all because, you know, the mountain is, I mean, it, it takes a little bit for me to get up, uh, up on the mountain, um, to go hunt, but, uh, you know, the wind wouldn't be right or the weather wasn't right or, you know, I, I mean, God, I, I got a wife and three kids. So, you know, there were some weekends that just. I'll save my hunting points for when I can stay out all day long and actually have a better chance, you know? Yeah, for sure. That's, uh, that's the best, that's the best thing I've ever learned. I think is being able to play your cards right, you know, at the right time. Um, so then when you were, uh, you know, 
after you learned this, right, um, did you, I guess, did you put a lot more thought into wind direction and cold fronts this past year and, yeah. and, and how to actually hunt the days that you get to hunt? I did. Um, you know, you and Mark interviewed uh, Mark Drury on uh, the Wired to Hunt podcast. I literally, when we were driving on vacation this year, I listened to that podcast on repeat um, while I was driving to kind of keep me awake. You know, the the whole thing with wind duration, cold fronts, you know, how he used that, that one website, uh, wonderground.com. Yep. Um, yeah, I mean, I started, you know, obsessing over wind direction and when the cold front was going to hit. And, you know, to be honest with you, the moon phase, you know, as far as like, you know, how the deer would react to, you know, the upcoming full moon or, you know, if it had been a full moon already, I started paying a lot more attention to that stuff. Um, gotcha. I'd always pay attention to my scent regimen, but, you know, was, was even more careful with it uh, this year. Mm-hmm. And, and really the way that I entered, um, both, both places that I hunted, I paid a lot more attention to my ingress and egress from a hunting spot. Um, and just thinking about how the deer were going to travel, where they were coming from, where they were going to, and you know, how my scent would, uh, how they might pick it up. So, okay. So did you change any access routes? Um, going into our first off, I want to say, you know, before the season started, did you do any additional scouting to find new stand locations? Um, I did. Um, but I'll, but I was, again, as obsessive as it sounds, I, I did it when it was either it was going to rain or it had just rained or I, right. there were a couple of times I scouted in the rain. Right. Um, and I, I was really careful about the time of day. And, um, you know, the deer on the 50 acre piece of property, the guy that owns the property, he, he has a tractor that he'll drive up in, you know, in the area that I hunt a lot, uh, to kind of mow some of the grass down. Um, so I would go in and, and scout like when he was mowing or okay. on a day that he had mowed because the deer literally, um, the deer will hear the tractor. It doesn't scare them yeah. because they're used to hearing him go up there and mow the grass, you know? So I would use that opportunity to take my four wheeler up there. Um, and that's when I would put out minerals or, um, or hang a tree. I hung a tree stand one day when he was mowing. Yep. And, uh, the other days it's typically, you know, basically just dependent on the rain. Right. Okay. So with those new stand locations, uh, you said you paid attention to your access routes going in and out of those locations. Um, did, you start doing any type of reconnaissance as far as uh, trail cameras? I did, but not, not nearly as much as I had the other years. Um, I honestly had pretty bad experience with a couple of trail cameras that I had. Okay. Um, and really I, I was starting to learn that property and I just decided that, you know, I'm, I'm not going to use my trail cameras. I'm just going to, um, I'm going to hunt the way that, you know, if my grandfather hunted, that's how he would hunt. He would have hunted food sources. He would have thought about where the deer were bedding, where they would go to to feed, and where they would, you know, go to after they finished feeding. Yep. You know, I guess, uh, you know, I guess you guys call it woodsmanship. I just try to use a little bit more woodsmanship instead of uh, relying on technology as much because um, the trail cameras spoil me. You know, I, yeah. 
see deer on them all the time and get all excited because I'm seeing these bucks and watching their antlers grow all summer long. And then, you know, you go hunt, you don't see any of them, <laughs> you know, and you start getting pissed off and, you know, you start making bad decisions because you, or at least for me, you know, start getting, making bad decisions because I'm frustrated. So yeah, I was going to hunt right. the sign and go with it that way. For sure. All right. So then, you know, again, new stand locations for through scouting and you paid really close attention to your, um, you know, to your, uh, access routes in and out, both in and out of the stand. Did that then translate into more encounters? Uh, did you see more deer this past season? Yeah, I saw more deer this past season than I saw the previous two seasons combined. Gotcha. All right. So that, so seeing that and knowing that, did that give you a little bit more confidence? Yes, it did. Um, it did give me a lot more confidence. Okay. Now, did those encounters translate into you um, achieving your goal with trying to kill a deer with a bow? Uh, I did. Yes. Okay. So talk to us a little bit about that. Um, well, uh, the first day of bow season, I, uh, I hunted in the evening. I didn't go in in the morning, which, um, again, it took every bit of willpower I had not to be in the stand opening morning, but, uh, I hunted on the edge of the property, not on a field edge, but, um, overlooking that pond that we talked about. Mm -hmm. And I went in uh, to that first night in my head, I was thinking, I'm not going to kill a deer, but I'm going to see one. Yeah. And I'm going to use what I see to kill one later on. And that's exactly what happened, man. I saw um, two does and a younger uh, deer. I think it was another doe. Uh, it may have been a button buck, but they were they were around the pond. Um, I mean, God, they were playing in the thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and it started to get dark. They started to make their way up towards me, but it was getting... Uh, getting to be last light so before they got too close to me i went ahead and climbed down out of the tree because by the time they got to me i wouldn't have been able to shoot them legally so okay. i took the opportunity to climb down out of the tree uh, and slip out of there and uh, the next morning i hunted over that pond and uh, i harvested a buck uh, with my bow uh, it was the first year i'd ever killed with a bow it was a six point uh, buck i shot him at uh, 25 yards okay so what was that feeling like? Uh, it was pretty cool, man. You know, was excited about the deer that I killed uh, the previous two years. Um, but like when I, when I shot him, like I was cool, calm, and collected. Um, I actually missed my first shot because the arrow ricocheted off of a branch. Yeah. Uh, the buck kind of turned and you know, acted like he was going to run off, and then he came right back to the to the pond, and he was very cautious at that point, because he heard my bow go off, you know. Yeah. But, I mean, without even thinking, I knocked another arrow, drew back, and I, I hit him right in the tin ring, dude. He ran about 10 yards and fell over. I did not. I was calm. My breathing was good until I heard that, that smack sound that an arrow makes when it hits a deer. Yeah. And I, I went all to hell. I was shaking so bad, my, my tree stain was rattling. Um, I had to hang my bow up and I had to sit down because I was afraid I was going to fall out of my tree stand. Wow. You know, I wow. started texting, I texted like two of my good friends and was like, Hey, I just shot a buck with my bow, you know? So, so, so kind of a, a little bit more, I mean, 
after shooting your first deer with a gun, I take it that was kind of, that's a milestone, but compare that to shooting your first deer with a bow. Uh, there's no feeling like it, man. Um, just because with a bow, it, to me, it, it takes so much more skill. You can reach out and, and kill a deer 250 yards with a, with a high power rifle, right? Yeah. So it's it's easy because you're you're almost looking at like a video game because you just see the crosshairs and you see deer and, and you pull the trigger and it's done. Yeah. But like the work that go that went into this previous season, the way I hunted smarter instead of harder, um, everything I did preseason, and really just kind of putting that puzzle piece together and getting that deer that close to me, um, and me being able to seal the deal was uh, was a pretty good feeling. Right. Okay. So. You've tasted success with a bow now, um, and you shot even even a buck. Uh, and for for some people, uh, three three deer in a row, three in in some places, three deer in a row, three seasons in a row, and and then killing a, a buck with a or with a bow your very first year or year this this past year. That's a I mean you're kind of on a roll, you know, for some people now what is the goal moving forward not only as an uh, a hunter but as an archer as well what are you what is your goal to take away from this sport of bow hunting um for the hunting season or just for me in general anything you want to talk about uh for the previous hunting season i wanted to you know having harvested one that early on you know i wanted to be able to have the opportunity to harvest another one just so i could know it wasn't dumb luck yeah you know, um, I think going forward, I, I would like to um, continue to have the opportunity to harvest deer. I think um, this year I want to um, I want to harvest multiple deer with my bow, um, and if I'm able to get it done during bow season, then I may not even hunt with a gun at all this year. I may throw on my orange and still just bow hunt. Nice. Um, really, I kind of look at the gun as a way. My goal going into hunting season every year is to get enough venison, or at least for the last two years, is to get enough venison that I don't have to buy meat from the store. Okay. Um, so if I'm able to get that, get a couple of deer with my bow, I don't see any need to gun hunt. Um, if, I have, if I have not harvested a deer, uh, then I'll use my gun just to make sure I'm able to put something in the freezer. Yep. But, uh, you know, if, if I'm able to kill a deer or two during bow season, I'll, I'll continue to hunt all season but I'll probably only use my bow. Gotcha. Gotcha. So the gun's there for backup. Yeah. It's there to make sure I'm able to fill the freezer. If I'm able to get it done with my bow. Gotcha. All right. Cool. Um, so that's, you know, that's the next step. Where do you see yourself as, I mean, you're, you're three years into bow hunting. Where do you see yourself in, let's say five years? I don't know, man. I know where I'd like to be. I'd like to be able to lease a pretty good sized piece of property and, and manage it a little bit and yep. maybe kind of change the class in here that I hunt. Yep. Um, right now, um, you know, and, and, you know, everyone may not agree with it, but you know, outside of a, a fawn for me, if it's a brown and it walks in front of me, it's, I'm probably going to put it down, you know, yep. just because I'm so new now. I mean, obviously I won't, I won't kill more deer than I can eat, right. but, um, for me, I, I don't, I don't look at a deer and think, oh, that's only a two-year-old. I'm not going to shoot it. For me, I look at a deer and I think, 
well, holy shit, I hope he turns sideways so I can I can stick an arrow yeah. through it. You know he'll what I mean? Taste, he'll taste good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, in three to five years, I'd love to start managing some property. Um, love to have a lease where I can put in a food plot yep. and, you know, maybe kill a couple of deer um, just as, as from a management standpoint, but then really start learning how to hunt uh, mature deer. Gotcha. That's what I would like to do. All right. Right. Well, that's uh, man, that, that those are uh, cool goals, and uh, you you know you harvested a, a deer with a bow, and it sounds like you're uh, you've caught the bug, and you're going to stick with the bow hunting for some time now. Hopefully, your your daughter, um, you know, especially for a girl, this is probably the next couple of years will be tough for you. Handful of years will be tough for you, as yeah. uh, as not only the father of a daughter, but, you know, trying to get somebody into the timber um, that, I guess, you know, hunting is kind of uh, on the back burner for a while, I take it. More than likely, yeah. I think uh, she still loves turkey hunting, but okay. uh, deer hunting, I think uh, it's going to be increasingly difficult to get her in the woods. But, you know, I think uh, if she wants to go in the evening, sometime then i'll i'll definitely take her and i'll just locate it as a little bit extra time we get to spend together you know and that's what it's all about well I, I tell you what man i appreciate chatting with you today thanks for taking time out of your day to come on and uh i guess bs with us for a while yeah man i appreciate the opportunity man again uh big fan of the podcast uh enjoy the work that, that you're doing man keep it up and there you have it another week of podcasts in the dirt. Thank you guys very much for tuning in. I appreciate each and every one of you for taking time to download. Huge shout out to Matt for coming on the podcast and uh, sharing some stories with us today. And then I want to send a huge shout out to the partners of this podcast. We got Wasp, we got Exodus, we got Deer Lab, we got Ripcord, we got a couple more coming down the pipe uh, in April, and a uh, huge shout out to those guys because, you know, financially without them, this isn't possible. And again, and as always, if this is the very first time you're listening to the podcast, go check me out on Instagram, go check me out on Twitter. Check me out on Facebook. A lot of information comes through my social media. And uh, be sure to go to iTunes and leave a review about this podcast. Other than that, guys, um, I want to end on a different note uh, today. And that is, if you are already a member of the National Deer Alliance, that is awesome. It's free to sign up. If you're not, you need to become a member of the National Deer Alliance. And it's easy to do. Go to the National Deer Alliance website and sign up. It's that simple. And uh, by doing that in a way, you are, you know, supporting an organization that supports your hobby of deer hunting, whether that's mule deer or whitetails. So it's pretty simple. Go do it. Again, have a great weekend. And I don't have a catchy ending other than what I usually say so I'm gonna say have a couple beers <laughs>